2: Welcome to it. It's a Thursday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We are inching closer and closer to Norman. And uh, plenty to get thoughts on with uh, some uh, standouts that played for both programs. Uh, We'll hear from a fullback. And yes, he scored three touchdowns uh, against Oklahoma. Uh, Joel Nakavika going to be with us here in about uh, five to seven minutes. Get his take on the Big Red in our tune to uh, Mr. Sooner Magic himself. uh, The quarterback for that 76 comeback. And he is uh, the Sooners insider host of the Lincoln Riley show. Dean Blevins in the five o'clock hour. We'll spend time with Gary Barnett and we'll find out what's up with Husker Volleyball and uh, get a thought or several from Brandon Vogel, who is making the trip down to Norman as well. Numbers to get in uh, this morning or this afternoon with Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. You can send your comments. We are streaming on ESPN Lincoln on Facebook Live, so the stream yard is open. You see Elijah still has not... Uh, done away with the mustache. That's okay, and uh, you know, just let that thing grow. Are you gonna let it grow till there's a uh, a road win over a ranked team? Well, the, the thing is, is Nebraska hasn't
3: lost a game since I've been rocking the mustache. I rocked you this.
2: well. No, 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 no,
3: no. I, I shaved this the Friday before Nebraska played Fordham. They beat Fordham. They beat Buffalo. So at this point, I've determined it's a must-win mustache. That's what it is, is whenever I have the mustache, the Huskers must win. So I, I'm letting it rock until uh, I'm proven
2: otherwise. Look at you. Look at you, the must-win mustache. Hey, there's a lot to, to get into. We'll hear from Scott Frost coming up and can send your tweets in as well at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, you've got the numbers. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll get to some more of your emails a little bit later on in the show and for sure tomorrow. Again, if you're headed down to Norman, come see us. The Cohiba Lounge uh, is where we're at. I wish I had the address. I can pull that up in a second. But it's, it's with Joe Washington's event uh, that is going on 630 to 930, and it's the 50th anniversary. They're celebrating the game of the century. All the Huskers uh, legends from yesteryear, all the Sooner greats, uh, they're going to converge. No no pigskin, no helmets. Just a good time to be had by all. And uh, we're excited to kind of lead into that 4-6, to six, the Cohiba Lounge. And, uh, of course, Joe Washington's event follows that. So we're there tomorrow live with Hale Varsity Radio. Weekend edition at 7 a.m. And a real red reaction from the Cohiba Lounge uh, following Nebraska and Oklahoma. Tim Bob Kitzmiller, Elijah Herbal, you're on site because you're Rodian uh, tomorrow. I will see you around the 5 o'clock hour, I think. But first things first, uh, plenty to get into with Nebraska. So what what does Nebraska's hopes hinge on? Let's go there for a moment. Nebraska's hopes hinge on what? Is it the defense uh, forcing some turnovers? Is it the defense uh, making Oklahoma – uh, be hesitant, stay out of sync? Because that's really what what Tulane did. Tulane got down and then they hung in. Uh, is it is it about disruption for Nebraska defensively? Or, Elijah, is it really all about Adrian putting two or three Superman capes on? Because the other part of this is we don't know what Nebraska is going to have offensively to complement Adrian. We know Toure's been great. But that's about it. Everyone else is uh, in bubble wrap right now.
3: Well, I, I hate to say it, but I think if Oklahoma comes out on their A game, playing the way you expect an, the top five team in the country to play, I don't think there's any way Doesn't that the Assistors team can, can win, really. you got to hope that uh, they haven't played – two great teams, and that Nebraska can come out and, I don't want to say surprise them a little bit, but just uh, give them a little bit of a test early and let them know early that this is going to be a game. Nebraska needs to come out and play the most complete game they've played since, I think, Michigan State in the snow in 2018. Uh, if they can come out and play a complete game like that, offensively, defensively, keeping Spencer Rattler out of rhythm, you got to force a couple turnovers, you got to keep the ball safe, then you just got to hope that Oklahoma comes out on their B game. If they're on their B game, I think they're beatable. But if Oklahoma, with the talent they have at the wide receiver position, at quarterback, along that defensive front, if they come out playing like they're going to be playing in a college football playoff game, or they're playing Texas, or they're playing in a, a Big 12 championship game, like. I don't think there's much Nebraska can do, honestly. Uh, but you got to come out and you got to focus on yourself. If you play the best possible game, you're giving yourself a chance.
2: Let's uh, hear from a Husker Hall of Famer and a legend. Get his take on Nebraska-Oklahoma. Let's spend some time with Joel McEvick here on Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We can't not do Oklahoma-Nebraska Week and, and forget... The major part that made the series incredible, and I'm talking fullback play. We bring in Hall of Fame fullback with Nebraska, Joel McAvica. Joel, you got to be smiling here, man. Uh, we, we talk Oklahoma Nebraska. The fullbacks were the star, weren't they?
4: I tell you what, you know what? Back back in the day, both teams uh, rolled with the fullback and uh, <laughs> uh, huge, huge parts of the game. I think in. in uh, what was it 97 oh yeah i like think i had three three touchdowns against them, and coach osborne's 250th win so you know what this this rivalry has has been going on since i was a kid and you know the older guys really understand it because it was one of the the best rivalries in the country and uh it's exciting that we we get a play them again and so we'll see how how uh, <clears throat> the chips fall saturday
2: Joel McAvicka with us, uh, McAvicka Physical Therapy, of course. And Joel, uh, a thought here. So did did you pipe up during uh, your your prep week with uh, Nebraska OU in 97 and say, hey, T.O., look, man, we (laughs) got to feature the fullback this week and two more touchdowns, you would have tied Al Bundy. I mean, three's three's good. I'll tell you what. I did that
4: every week. Not just Oklahoma week. I mean, i i used, I, used, I used to try and butter him up all week, and then and then put put it in the ear of Coach Solis to say, "Hey, give me the rock." So so I used to do that every week. That wasn't just a rivalry week for me.
2: That's good. Well, it's it's what's you know what's what's best for the team, right, Joel? Yeah,
4: I, I, that's what I thought. I get the get the ball in the hands of your best athlete, right?
2: That's right. The fullback. <laughs> that the fullback. Yeah. What's your take on – I'll get your take on Saturday in a second, but, Joel, I'd like, love your thoughts here on the, on the running back rotation and the offensive line as you, as you see it because the push isn't consistent mm-hmm. and the who's in now carrying the football, that's been inconsistent. And I feel – I feel for the players, I feel for the coaches because they want a different result. They want a more consistent result, and if you can get a run game – Helping this offense out, great things can happen.
4: Yeah, and and, and I think, you know, I think ultimately the staff and, and the football team want to be able to run the football. I know there's <clears throat> we run the spread, and and Coach Frost's offense is the spread. But but he's talked about it since he's been here. Is he wanted to always marry that with you know the pipeline and Nebraska power running game, um, and and <clears throat> I think that's what they wanted to do. Now the rotation at running back, I've never. Honestly, Schmitty, I've never been a huge fan of rotations at running backs. But, you know, I played in an era where, you know, you got as a running back, you got 30 carries, 35 carries a game and you had a workhorse. But that era has changed. You know, so I I haven't ever been a big fan of, you know, running back by committee. Nebraska did it with the wee backs and, and those types of things. And, you know, the 80s and the 90s a little bit when they had them but you know we we had a bell cow with you know like Lawrence Phillips and, and Amon Green and got the majority of the carries and then we had guys that were unbelievable running backs behind them that got some carries but we had a guy and now that's kind of changed you see it all over the country where you know it's running backs by committee and <clears throat> and I think a lot of that is they want to keep they want to keep hits off the running backs mm-hmm. and, and keep them healthy and I and I think that goes to to back to where programs were saying, "Hey, we want to keep these running backs healthy and not have as much carries, because if they go on to the NFL, NFL scouts look at how many carries they've had and, and things like that." So, you know, all the all the teams around the country are doing that. Now, you know, Nebraska has to get better about moving, the, uh, changing the line of scrimmage up front. There's no question about it. And, and as you can see, our offensive line is is more physical and looking and and look better they just have to start playing to where they change the line of scrimmage and they haven't been doing that and it'll be interesting to see this weekend if we can because oklahoma you know has a great d line even though they they haven't showed it as much in in the past couple years because their defense has been the weakness of their football team but um you know we're we're going to have to if we want to have a successful season, we're going to have to continue to commit to the run and be able to run the football especially in games like this where we have to keep their offense off the field.
2: Is this a situation where if you're if you're putting a game plan together, you're looking at what you have and you know to kind of coin what Scott has said before, can't do it or won't do it. Is it a situation where he's like, "Oh man, I don't think we can do this" or no, this is my system, and I would prefer to just kind of go my way. We can talk about downhill run game; it's another thing to doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's more of an emphasis question.
4: Well, yeah, and, it, and it's and it's a commitment question as well. I mean, it's very difficult to continue to commit to running downhill football when when you know you're. Getting two yards of carry and put put yourself in second and long or third and long if you commit to the running game and and even even though if you are um, only getting two or three yards of carry if you continue to commit to it the defense has to respect that and that and that's a hard thing as a football staff and a play caller is to commit to it when it's not successful um, and it'll be interesting to see on how that goes on Saturday to where you know, I think, I think coach Frost has a, has a confidence in his defense and he knows his defense is playing pretty well right now. And, and if he can limit turnovers and have ball ball possession or time of possession Mm -hmm. advantage with our offense on the field to keep their offense off the field, I think he will commit to that, even though, even though it might not be working the way he wants. But again, I think he's tried to emphasize this since he's been in Lincoln. It's just hard to stay committed to it when it's not working. And and hopefully he continues to to commit to it. And and these young young guys up front, you know, there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores up front. And hopefully these young guys up front continue to improve and and continue to uh, improve on changing the line of scrimmage. And as the year goes on,
2: uh, we run the ball better few minutes here joel mcavica with us sale varsity radio nebraska oklahoma week we need the perspective of a fullback and joel's given that to us mcavica physical therapy of course and joel uh, when 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 did you learn about ou nebraska was it watching saturdays after thanksgiving or was it the former players that kind of indoctrinated you indoctrinated you what this means what this is
4: I think for me it was, you know, I, I learned about it when I was a kid, and and I was thinking about this this week, and I knew you were going to have me on, and and uh, you know I didn't I didn't know much about the series in the '70s because I wasn't born and and was very young in the late '70s, and where I <clears throat> I started really following it and, and seeing how much of a rivalry it was. It was obviously the '80s and and the '86 game where they tore our hearts out in Lincoln when with. <laughs> keith jackson and 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 beating us 20 to 17 in the sooner magic and you know it's interesting when i grew up it was i thought every year the winner of that game went to the national title or played for the national championship and 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 that was the game that it was just whoever won that game was playing for the national title now that wasn't correct but that's what it felt like every year and and so i grew up with it in the 80s and 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 it was a little different for me when we were down in Lincoln because at that time it was it was such a lopsided rivalry for us when we were down in Lincoln because we beat them every year handily and they were down. So it wasn't the hatred and the huge rival rivalry for us when we were down there because they were down and, and we were we were so good at the time. So that's one of the things I, I honestly felt like i missed in my career at is we didn't have we didn't have that game where it was just a flat out market on the calendar hatred rivalry um that they had in the 80s with them and and it's just because that you know they were down at that time and you know when i when i was at nebraska we beat them you know 37 3 70 to 20 you know things like that 69 to 7 so it wasn't quite that rivalry that had in the 80s but but when I was when I was a kid in the '80s, is there was nothing better than than watching that game after after Thanksgiving and, and knowing that whoever won that game won the Big Eight and, and was going on to probably play for the national title.
2: Yep, trip to Miami. Joel McAvica with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Joel, a last thought, Bud, and it's fun to catch up with you. Love your perspective. What happened Saturday, and what what do you think can happen Saturday here? Who? Uh, with uh, with Adrian and you know how's Nebraska keep this close pull this off and you know are you optimistic
4: I mean you have to you have to be you have to be optimistic and, and you know oh man other than you know I see a couple teams in college football and that might be two or three that man they look head and shoulders above the rest Every team's beatable, and you saw that with Oklahoma in the Tulane game early in the year, where they almost got knocked off by Tulane in the first game of the year in Norman. And so there's there's always optimism, and 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 I think you know you have a you have a quarterback in, in Adrian Martinez that that can change games with his legs. There's no question about it, and it's a very athletic quarterback. So if you have that, you have a chance. Um, Oklahoma is a great football team. Every a lot of people has picked them to win or compete for the national title and be in the playoff. And, and their offense and their skill and their and their quarterback is, is second to none in the country. So Nebraska's got to, you know, play well. And, and I don't say play a perfect game, but, you know, as well as I do, they, they can't turn the ball over and they have to be able to establish some sort of the running game to keep Spencer Rattler and these these receivers off off the football field because that's where Oklahoma hangs their hat is is outscoring a lot of people and getting ahead of people by you know two touchdowns to let their defensive ends and their d-line loose because they can rush the passer so i think i think it's going to come down to and you say this all the time but especially in a game like this if you want to upset a a team that's in the top five that that could go on to play for the national title you have to not turn the ball over. And, and I think we have to get a few turnovers. And, and that's one of the things that our defense needs to do a better job of this year is getting the ball back to our offense. They played well this year and, and they'll have to do that again on, on Saturday for, for Nebraska to have a chance to win. And, 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 I'm hoping, you know, that, that it's a great game. And it's one of those that uh, we can uh, win or lose. We, we can, Cheer on the, the, this squad for for fighting and 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 playing well, and, and hopefully we'll see that on Saturday.
2: Joel McEvick, a Husker uh, standout, Hall of Famer, fullback, and uh, his thoughts on Nebraska OU. Joel, we'll see you soon, bud. Thanks for a few minutes.
4: Awesome, thanks, for many Talk to you soon.
2: And we're back,
1: fellas. did we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by
2: the Nebraska Lottery.
5: Yes, that's awesome.
2: Back with you, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery on the road to Norman. Here we leave after the show, and we'll be broadcasting live from Norman. uh, 105 East Boyd, the Cohiba Lounge. We are not taking the Labradoodle or the German Shepherd with, as they are full-throat. It's like it's a uh, third and two or something with a minute left, and the defense needs a stop. Uh, Let's bring in Managing Editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Uh, And author, Dream Like a Champion, uh, with John Cook, Brandon Vogel with this. Vogues, I know this uh, gets your juices flowing, man. Uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma, you're headed down. That means it's a big game with Vogues uh, in the press box, man. This is going to be good. Have you you, you talked yourself into Nebraska keeping this thing close? Or are you just all about the nostalgia here for, for Saturday morning?
6: I think Nebraska's got a shot. Um, you know, you got to come out and you got to play well, uh, which seems to be well. It's an obvious thing to say. Uh, it's been a harder thing to do in practice for for Nebraska to do that consistently enough. But you know, Oklahoma's a, a really interesting kind of program when you you take the long view. Uh, they, you know, it's it's a little bit different than, than Ohio State in that. They they come out they they have this offense they beat everybody they win the Big 12 year after year, but then you've got these these strange ones you know the the two lane game was almost that in in week one this year and you've had losses to Iowa State and Kansas State uh, so I think Scott Ross really put it well and really described kind of my approach to this game is like there's a lot to gain there's not a lot to lose so come out and uh, come out and take your swings essentially. It's been a while since we've seen Nebraska truly do that. So, so can they do that? And if they do early, I think they've got a shot to, to hang around at least.
2: Vogues, it'll be interesting to see a Nebraska team just go play free, right? When's the last time that's happened? Huh.
6: Really great question. Um, I'm not sure we ever got there in 2018. 2017 uh, is probably out. So I, I, you look looking at five years. I, you know, just off the top of my head, I can't think of a game where I was like, "Oh, I thought they really played free in that game." Uh, you might be. You might be back to 2016, and, and really, it, it'll seem a little strange. Like last week ended up feeling that way a little bit. Uh, I felt Nebraska played pretty free in a, in a game where it, it was the flip side of, of what the Huskers are looking at here. You know, you beat Buffalo. There's not a ton of upside there, but there was a lot of downside, and, and Nebraska controlled that one. So. But it's, it's been a while since I've truly felt Nebraska came out and said, hey, here we are. Uh, let's go show we blow.
2: Brandon Vogel's with us from Hale Varsity. We're talking Nebraska, Oklahoma, ready uh, to head to Norman and uh, get this thing going. So Vogues with, with Adrian here and Rattler, uh, you have uh, contrasting styles. And it's not that, that Spencer can't do things with his legs. He's able to extend and, and can pick up a scramble here and there. But Adrian's been as good a dual threat weapon in college football this year, throwing the football, running the football, and uh he has he's looked great and he has looked great and he's not had all of his toys, right? The running game's been very miss, not not as much hit. You've had some inconsistency with the offensive line, you've had injuries at wide receiver with the exception of Toure. What what can this offense do? Let's just pretend for a second it's it's full strength with the skill guys. I know it's meat and potatoes O line, I know it's the run game that's huge, but what happens if you get uh, a bets back that's healthy. What happens if if Oliver Martin is good to go? What happens if Allen and Omar can give you some reps here? What what does that do to a Sooner defense that is way better with Grinch, but still can get disinterested if you look at the two lane game?
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously having having all of their receivers uh, would be. Would be an asset. um I, I still think, looking at this game, you know, it, it, and some of this is based on what we've seen from the Huskers' run game and, and the fact that it hasn't looked all that well oiled at this point. I think Nebraska has to has to kind of come out prepared to throw the football and use that as a weapon. And because three, three games right now, they're averaging a, a gain of. 15-plus yards on a pass on over 23% of their downs, which is a sea change from from last year. That was like the big thing that was missing in 2020. Now they're getting that, not getting so much of the run game, but if you can hit some of those explosive plays, um, you're going to have to against an offense like Oklahoma just to keep pace, but those can be game changers too, so I think it's kind of a, a swing from your heels type of game. Now, part of the key to that would be making sure Adrian Martinez has enough time to to be in the pocket. I mean, he can he's, he's pretty good when you ask him to improvise, but that can also be where things get a little wily and out of control at times. So can he have enough time to sit back there and hopefully choose from the full complement of wide receivers Nebraska hope to have opened the season with?
3: Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, uh, aside from being able to open up that passing game against Oklahoma, uh, do you think that Nebraska is going to go with that design quarterback run a little bit more this game? We saw a little bit against Illinois, and it seems like they've pulled it back uh, because they didn't really need it against Fordham and against Buffalo. The the running game, while not being perfect, was a little bit better. Do you think we're going to see more design quarterback run to get that run game going against Oklahoma?
6: Yeah, that's that's a good call. And I think, you know... Uh, whether by design, or, which I think it probably was, but I don't know for sure, or whether just from how those games kind of unfolded, I think dialing back those, those number of quarterback carries and designed runs for Adrian Martinez was a good idea for, for, for Fordham and Buffalo weeks. But now, you know, you, you're going to need that. You're going to need your best player to have the ball uh, in those types of situations, so you dial it back up a little bit, and I think you know it, it could look a lot like Ohio, or, uh, Ohio State in 2018. I don't remember Adrian's uh, number of carries in in that game, but they were you know as a true freshman man, they were ready to really lean on him and. If he plays really, really well, uh, you can do that and, and and be in this game a lot longer than people expect. So I, I do think you'll see a pretty heavy usage rate for Adrian Martinez. I,
2: I think you have to, and, and I'm wondering here, Vogues too, if you're Nebraska, if you sprinkle in some Smothers option, or do you do you expect Nebraska to try and go at the edges, at the corners, versus trying to, to live and die between the tackles because Nebraska has not gotten a lot of push up the middle that they try going after the edge uh, with with option game with some some zone read quarterback keep. Adrian's not kept much when you're just doing the straight up shotgun handoff. So uh, th- there's a lot of different things, some new wrinkles we could probably see or even just some more, um, some more freedom with, with Adrian being able to, to to carry it as many as 20 times as if he, if he needs to.
6: Yeah. I, we, we've seen enough of the, the option, um, the, you know, the, the option plays that they've, they've run these past two weeks to make me think that, well, if that's one of the, you know, run looks that you can really execute well right now, um, you, you could be in store for more of it because I mean, the, the option just by design is, like, hey, if you can get the guys blocked up front that you need to get blocked, it, it's meant to be a numbers advantage. And if you feel good about the guy making the decision to pitch or not to pitch, and in my opinion, Martinez has looked really good uh, on that piece of it, and you like the guy carrying the ball, which so far has been Samori Toure, uh, why wouldn't you see a little bit more of that? And you got to run between the tackles a little bit. You got to show you're at least willing to do it early on in the game or at least willing to try it. But I think there's probably some things that are up Nebraska's sleeve that'll hold in and kind of snap in and snap off of these plays that we saw quite a bit of in the past two weeks.
2: Vogues, we'll get to volleyball in two seconds. A thought. If you're Scott Frost, is this just let's go, let's let's do this shootout thing? Or is this a Billy C. special where you're going to hold the football? Uh, road trip to USC in 06, right? Uh make it 05 forgive me uh, don't get those confused <laughs> but you hold on to this thing and just milk the clock what, what's your approach if you're frost
6: well uh, i think the approach should be um it, it's as crazy as it sounds you go for the shootout and you go in there and say like all right we're gonna take our best <laughs> yeah. shot I, I mean lincoln riley's lost five games the head coach at oklahoma all of those teams scored at least 37 points. Um, they averaged that group 40 points. Like, it's just what you got to do. Oklahoma going to put up points. Um, and, and Nebraska hasn't shown the consistency in the run game to just churn out yards and go on those kind of nine, 10, 11 play drives that almost allowed Army to, to shock Oklahoma in Norman a couple of years ago. So, I don't know that that's much of a viable path. It'd be interesting if it were. But being that it isn't, uh, Nebraska's going to probably have to outshoot Oklahoma. It's got just enough, I think, of kind of an explosive pass or explosive play potential to to think, okay, maybe that can happen. But it's going to be tough, but I think it's the way to do it.
2: Vogue's got about a minute and a half here. Your reaction to Husker volleyball, they're a work in progress. They're still a piece of art. I mean, they're they're still really good, but they've really uh, kind of got punched in the face a couple of times post Creighton. What's your uh, what's your reasoning? About a minute.
6: Yeah, they're leaning heavily on freshmen, and you know, and they went real heavy to kind of see what they are they could do with four in the starting lineup, and that by by nature is going to be a little up and down, particularly since we're still early in the season. But you can't pair that with kind of inconsistent performance from your veterans, I don't think. And, and that's what Nebraska didn't experience against Creighton. Uh, it's what it has experienced in the two losses since then. So that's kind of the big kind of long-term concern, and I think Nebraska volleyball's fine, but you need a little bit better play out of the players that you really counted on it coming from entering the year.
2: Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor, com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, uh, are we going to get a steak and a potato after the game Saturday?
6: We'll see. Steaks are for winners, so it's not up to us.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. You covered that well versus just saying, no, Schmidt, I'm not hanging out with you. <laughs> you went with the no, steaks are for winners. I love it. That's pretty good. Vogues, safe trip. We'll see you down there, bud. I Take there, Bye. There he is, Brandon Vogel, with us uh, at Hale Varsity. Gary Barnett's on the way. Dean Blevins next hour. Uh, open phones here till five. Four six six 3776
1: And now, and now back to Hail
2: Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We need to spend a second on on Brandon Vogel and the. Uh, how did you read that, Elijah? No, I don't want to hang out with you in, in Oklahoma, Schmidt, or <laughs> no, it's, it's like ice cream. And I've, I've had this rule for Junior, and he had a coach a few years ago that would, oh, kids, let's go get ice cream. No, they got their ass handed to him 17 to 4. They don't get ice cream for losing a baseball game that way. Well, he, he, he <laughs> never said, and, that, and he sure as hell don't get sprinkles. He he never so, said
3: that he wouldn't go get a, a different dinner option with you. It was just specifically the steak.
2: Maybe he'll go for like tacos or something. Like, there's, there's well, but that, but he, his like his response is, yeah, hold on, steak is for winners. He's right. Well, that's but, why, that's why we do the
3: steak in a beer bed every
2: single week on Friday. That's is,
3: true. It's because true. steak is for winners, and right now you're you're more of a winner than me. I hate to say it, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Right. But no, I mean that that was so good. I just couldn't tell the tone, the inflection. It's maybe because we're in Casa de Schmitz here before we pack the R V that uh I maybe I'm just taking things a, a bit too personally. Uh no, but Vogues Vogues can avoid me in the press box, but he can sure as heck uh, find a way out of out of postgame. <laughs> so good for him. Uh so full coverage this weekend, Friday, Cohiba Lounge and Cigar Bar 4-6. to six, The weekend edition Saturday morning. Real Red Reaction from Cohiba uh, just two blocks from the stadium. So if you're a Nebraska fan, you want a smoky treat, I'm not telling you to use tobacco, but uh, get a drink, enjoy. Uh, awesome to have Joe Washington and his crew have us out. So more on Nebraska football here and uh, just what needs to to go down. And and here's here's what's a question. Do you think Oklahoma is is truly going to be different than Tulane? Wagner's Wagner. I guess I'm asking how much is Oklahoma like Nebraska in the sense they can be sloppy, they can be disinterested, they can be focused. It's it's different, right? Nebraska Uh, tends to squeeze too hard because they're trying to get out of this funk. And and Oklahoma has been reading the last 15 off-seasons how many championships they're going to win. They're confident. Their head is swollen. They can't fit in the helmet anymore. Now, they've been brought back down to earth thanks to Tulane. But Tulane can do a lot of things. Now, what's, what's... kind of sickening but funny is Tulane did really well with swing passes, Elijah. <laughs> uh, as part of their 23-point 23, their 23 uh, mountain, they had to climb back up and, and they had a chance to go win it. I don't know what will happen on Saturday not knowing who's out and who's, who's healthy. Now, to Ray's key, but I think if you get Austin Allen back and you get a Martin back, I think that can help. Sorry, I'm not betting any money on Omar Manning. Heard too much uh, about uh, what he can be, and we've seen too, too little of him, right, to, to count on him. Uh, if I can get some, some Gabe Irvin in the open field with some option elements to it, right, uh, I think that can work. And the one thing Nebraska's not done a ton of, other than, than Adrian on scrambles, is, is try and attack the outside. You haven't gone after that defensive end or outside linebacker or, or corner. Everybody made a living on it during the Riley era going after Nebraska corners. Why the hell try and run up the middle? It's going to run on the outside. Uh, Nebraska really isn't weak there. They, they set the edge well uh, on, on the edge. Uh, with the, the defensive end, they set the edge well with the corners. They do a wonderful job. So, you know, Nebraska's changed, thankfully, defensively with what their liabilities are. And you're going to see... Oklahoma take some shots, make some shots, and Nebraska will give up some big plays. That's okay. How do you respond to uh, to a big play? Let's go to the phones real quick. Russ with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Russ, thanks for calling, bud. Go ahead. Hey, I just, I just got a question.
7: Um, I just can't believe that we are in year four of the Scott Frost tenure, and we're talking about whether we can even compete with the big boys or not. I think that's something that needs to be discussed. Um, you know, we thought by year four that we would be at least be able to hang with the big boys. And now we're talking about whether a Nebraska team can even compete with Oklahoma. Um, that really alarms me. I mean, I'm a great fan and I don't see much of a, you know, much, much hope in us going down there and winning Saturday. I'm hoping to not be embarrassed and play well. And, and, uh, you know get ready for michigan state but i'm just i don't know why we're not talking about that and i'm trying to be
2: positive as much as possible but the more we rush you sound it, rush you sound beaten down and sad my friend and that's okay no uh,
7: i'm just uh, i think i'm realistic and i think i don't think there's enough people talking about you know this is year four and we're talking about whether we can even compete with a big 12 team and uh we're supposed to be in Nebraska. So I guess what I'm doing is setting myself up. So,
2: you know, come 2.30 Saturday, I'm like, okay, well, we got Michigan State next week. Russ, there's there's a couple of things. One, if Nebraska was in a better spot than they currently are, it may not matter. Oklahoma may be that good, okay? So it would be one of those situations. Can Nebraska go down and hang with a team that's a national title favorite? Um, thanks for your call, thanks for listening. But no, that's fair. You know, why are why are we why are we not talking about year four and you know, you should be further along? That's that's obvious, man. That's that's a reality. And Illinois was a gut punch, and now Oklahoma is kind of a measuring stick. And yeah, should you compete with Oklahoma in year four, you would hope. And they have a chance to do that on Saturday. It's not likely. But they can do everything in their power to, to, to go play good football and, and let it go, see where it where it ends up. I,
3: I think and, this is about being able to change the narrative on your on your year four. Uh, is is it dis- is good it, point. Is it disappointing uh, where Nebraska is at considering this is year four? Yes, obviously. Like you don't want to lose to Illinois week one. Uh, you don't want to be uh, let. Fordham hang around for a quarter. You want to let Buffalo hang around for the first half whenever you're in Nebraska. However, they they did enough to get the wins, and now you have a chance against a good Oklahoma to go change the narrative and not get embarrassed. And to, I mean, even if Nebraska loses this game, if they go lose by a touchdown, I think Nebraska fans leave that game with hope. So uh, I think in the week leading up to a game, not knowing what's going to happen, this is about an opportunity to change a narrative, not about Nebraska is so bad, uh, we're, we're not far enough along for year four. It's about this is your chance, this is your, your litmus test to be able to say can we compete with a team like Oklahoma you know
2: that's a that's a good take man it's about the opportunity the ability and uh what what lies ahead how do you compete against a team that's that's a CFP favorite versus what's not gotten done now they go compete maybe there's some fruition to the air quote process that's been ongoing right the recruiting the development the playmakers you've gone after and, uh, and maybe you can get a payoff on all of that but yeah, it's been too messy, it's been too sloppy, Russ is not wrong with, dude, what's going on, this is year four, this is supposed to be well, it's not, so your option is to be ticked that it's year four and you're not where Oklahoma's at, or look at the opportunity with Oklahoma on the docket. More calls here before five at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Chime in, 402 espn or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Just
2: try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Some emails to get to and uh, some tweets uh, on Russ's call. So uh, Kent chimes in here. Uh, first and foremost, he says Russ is spot on. And uh, Ken asked the question, how many failed litmus tests do you need before you say, yep, this, this ain't working? And, and listen, that isn't for me to answer. And this isn't dodging the question. It, it's really up to Trev Alberts. And is the Oklahoma game going to make or break your decision on your head football coach? Where does it weigh? What's what's it in collaboration with Illinois? What are your expectations? What? And, and Trev has said, look uh, – uh, incremental improvement. you got to look like you're playing good football, and you can still – Trev's also said you can have a really, really good year in the Big Ten and go 7-5 and five because of how difficult it is. So I don't have an answer. I don't think this is a – if Nebraska goes and gets just drilled, well, okay, so be it. I mean, that's what the, the world thinks is going to happen. That's what Vegas thinks is going to happen. But you as a Nebraska fan, you know, where – are you at with that and when it comes to the bigger discussion point that i'm not going towards because i don't think scott frost is in trouble this year and i don't know that he's in trouble next year i know his record is not what it needs to be but i just don't think trev's going to come in year one and say oh damn it you didn't go compete with oklahoma uh you're on thin ice i I don't see that i think trev gets how difficult and talented oklahoma is and you know what's what's trev's viewpoint here is it from day one Trev's hired or is it going back to Trev's been up in Omaha since Scott was hired here in 18 I mean what's what's the prism you're viewing this for Through this through excuse me to, to set your expectations for your head coach you can go play way better football than you have against Illinois you've done that the last two weeks what kind of jump are you ready to make with your staff in your program here elijah in in a in a in a fourth year that's that's fair there's a body of work that is sub 500 but there's also an individual season and yes an individual game to look at here when you you put it in context
3: yeah and i mean uh I forget the uh, the emailer's name saying how many failed litmus tests do you get. Kent
2: uh, is emailing. Kent, but
3: I, I think there's there's levels to the litmus test. I know that's not how like the scientific like litmus test works. But there's levels to a, a football team in terms of where you're at uh, against. A team that you should be beating year in, year out in Illinois. That's one litmus test, but it's a completely different litmus test say, where are we at compared to a college football playoff contender? We saw it last year against Ohio State. We saw Nebraska come out for a quarter, and I don't want to say give Ohio State a scare, but they came out and competed for a quarter, and that's where we knew Nebraska was at last season in terms of where they're at in terms of uh, the college football playoff and in terms of the top teams in the country. We get another look at it again this week against Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, and it is a measuring stick game, and in and, and year one, you saw scott's team uh, almost upset uh the the the, probably the number five team that got left out of the college football playoff in ohio state so you've seen different results it's not been consistent right that's the one thing that's been lacking is the consistency what will you see more of a consistent run game will you see a better offense will you see a defense get some takeaways all those things gotta happen saturday for nebraska to hang around and you're gonna have a uh, an Oklahoma team that's not completely on on their a game. They've just recruited better talent. You can you can outdo that. You can outcoach that. They develop better though too. They they do develop well. Gary Barnett's on the way. Also Dean Blevins next hour with Hale Varsity. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Nebraska-Oklahoma weekend, a huge weekend, a slate of college football. And we say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett, Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, uh, T-minus 30 minutes from uh, jumping in the old RV. Uh, Have you been RVing before?
8: No, I haven't, Chris. And actually I have no interest in RVing. So I hope you have a great time.
2: Well that that's a ringing endorsement. Uh <laughs> <laughs> What 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 are your what are your reservations about RVing? I,
8: I don't have reservations. I just don't have any interest. Okay, you know, that's uh, I mean I I think everybody who is in one should have a lot of fun. And if I wanted to have that kind of fun, I'd get an RV, but I got other things going on <laughs> I don't know you know yeah,
2: what, what can I tell you I just I don't do it we've been talking Nebraska Oklahoma all week you're a, a guy who played and were on some really good Missouri teams that also competed in the big eight from your perspective what's your takeaway on, on the Nebraska and Oklahoma history and aura I guess surrounding uh, that match up those two programs.
8: Well, you know what's funny, when we were when we were playing Nebraska and Oklahoma were just two of the teams we played. We didn't see them as juggernauts. We didn't see them as colossals of college football where which they became, you know, after I, after we were gone and you know in the 70s when Colorado and Oklahoma and Nebraska finished 1 2 3, uh, I should say 3 2 1, mm-hmm. then they started to be The bullies of the big eight, you know, those were the two teams. Uh, Colorado would peek its head in there every once in a while. Missouri never quite got in there. Nobody else really stood out. So they, you know, their lore and and history and all that just sort of grew. When I was coaching, it, it was pretty much the same way. They just were really fun, important games. But I didn't see them as that much better than everybody else. And, um... You know, I mean, I don't think a coach coaching somewhere else should see it that way either. But and I didn't see it that way. But I always loved watching that game. But I also loved coaching in the uh, Nebraska Colorado game, and for a while, that game became bigger than the Oklahoma game. I mean, Oklahoma Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there was a time in which the Colorado Nebraska game was bigger, but not for long. Always a great respect for both programs, great admiration. You know, it was always a fight no matter what love being a part of it
2: as you recruited what was it like recruiting against nebraska and against oklahoma from a quarterback standpoint all three of you guys were going after the same dude
8: exactly uh, i mean when we were recruiting hagan and and a nessie you know it came down to uh tom osborne and bill mccartney and me and whoever is recruiting him, george darlington mm-hmm. uh who was recruiting the other guys so um yeah, that was and Oklahoma was in there but Oklahoma pretty much stayed in Texas and uh, for their quarterbacks but we were in California and of course uh, the, the great kid at Holloway was from Darren Hagan's high school so yeah, yeah. Um, you know that, I guess they were in California as well but yeah it was always it was always a battle for those guys and then when things started to change Mac went away from that kind of quarterback, uh, then I think it changed a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was always a battle, you know, constantly. And, you know, you just wanted your share of guys, and then you wanted to go play. So, Mm -hmm.
2: What's your uh, thought on Lincoln Riley? Uh, Not only the job he's done, but also following Stoops like he has. And, and, you know, Bob really rejuvenated Oklahoma football and, and made him great again and now Lincoln's come in and been to a playoff. They've been knocking on the door. What what kind of wows you about him and in, in his work at OU?
8: Well, I think just the fact that he can step in for Stoops and, and take over without being there that long. It wasn't like he grew up in the history of that program. And so I think for him to come from where Easter East Carolina and, mm-hmm. and move in, take over, become the coordinator, and – you know, and then Bob stepped down and and I think Bob stepped down a little earlier than everybody thought he would, and I think he did that because he had a successor. he He knew that was the guy. And so for him to come in and not hardly miss a beat uh, and and keep it rolling at that high level. Now, part of it is Oklahoma is always going to roll at a pretty high level, but there there was a period of time in there where the people that were head ahead of that program or leading that program, weren't as successful as Stoops and Lincoln Riley have been. So, no, I, I give him a lot of credit. First of all, I think he's, he really is a good coach, a really good coach, and I think he has the right things in his heart, and I think he does the right things by young people, and I think he's a good football coach. So, and to keep that going, you know, that, I think that's a, that's a great tribute to him, and, and that, that puts him up in the ranks, I, I believe, of college football, upper echelon.
2: Gary Barnett, few minutes talking Nebraska, Oklahoma, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Your t- your look at Nebraska here. We've seen the big red for three games. Illinois was Illinois, but uh, a nice win against Buffalo, and uh, Adrian had just an incredible game. You know what? Uh, what are your thoughts on on Nebraska? If, if you're putting a game plan together, or you're putting some keys together here. Uh, let's stay competitive. How are you trying to accomplish that? What are some things you want to do? And you think you can do based on what you've seen from Nebraska against OU on Saturday?
8: Well, I, I think you you made a comment. They had a nice game against Buffalo. They need to have a nice game against <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma or a nice game against um, Minnesota or a nice game. You know, that just needs the transition. You know, that play – playing at their level they played last week, needs to transition to play against better competition. And more important, that step has to be taken. And um, you just can't have nice games against Buffalo and Fordham. you got to have nice games against everybody else, game in and game out. And um, that's what you're trying to get done, and that's the step that has to be taken. You know, I think this game, first of all, I, I think 22 points is too much. I don't think uh, they're giving Nebraska's offense enough credit now. If they turn it over, then they are giving them enough credit, but if they don't, then I think this is a not a 22 point favorite, not a 22 point spread. I I do think Oklahoma will win the game, part of it being at home, part of it is they probably overall are a little better, but statistically Spencer Rattler's numbers aren't aren't as good as Adrian Martinez's. The the biggest issue I have with Nebraska is your leading rusher, your, your quarterback, is not only your leading passer, but he's also your leading rusher. That is an issue because one day when that isn't possible and he's, he's, you, know, you remove him from the game, what do you have? You don't have a passer or a rusher. And, and th- that's the biggest problem. That's the, issue. That's, the, that's the thin ice you're always on in, in the Nebraska offense right now. Where, um, you know, in in Oklahoma's case, uh, Rattler doesn't run the ball until he has to. He is an efficient, good thrower, a couple picks already. His numbers aren't as good as Adrian's numbers, but, um, you know, he's highly touted. He has a lot of good people, a lot of good receivers around him, probably more so than Nebraska. Uh, Defensively, I think they're a suspect as nebraska has been so that part of it i think is a decent matchup And both offenses it's going to have to be an offensive performance i think by the winning team Uh, and i mean a really good offensive performance because you're going to have to out offense the other team is what i've seen and i you know i've seen the stats i watched a little bit of buffalo game they went out ahead quick and looked good and and sort of took control of the game uh but if you look at the end statistics, first downs were about the same. Uh, passing yardage uh, was was you know they had a lot, you know, as did Nebraska. So um, that nice game's got to transition over to a team like Oklahoma.
2: That's just it. And you, you touched on the rush, rushing. What do you see with Nebraska's offensive line and, and, and running back rotation? I mean, as you view it, why do you think it's been such a, a hard sled for this Nebraska ground attack?
8: I just think probably, one, you got to be really committed to it. Sure. I mean, really committed to it. And when you got Adrian, you always have it out. Uh, and so you don't have to keep pounding it. You're going to have to keep trying to find a way to run the football. You know, that's a lot of hard work. You've got a guy that can get you out of all that trouble. He can, you know, in the option, he can make up for whatever two-yard gains you had with the running back, and now you've got a nine-yard gain. It's sort of like I I know he used to be asked all the time, why not you run the fullback down on the goal line? I said, well, you know what? He averages two yards a carry. I've got a back that averages seven <laughs> yards a carry. Why would I give it to the guy that averages two yards sure. a carry? So, uh, a little bit of that, you know, I think that you get caught up in that mentality. You don't have time necessarily or the resources to totally dedicate yourself to one. So, you got to sort of play with what you got. And what they've got is a guy that can get you out of trouble. And that's why you're not forced. Now, if you lose M- Martinez, if he can't play. Then you know what, and I, I don't know how good you are at the backup spot as far as throwing the football, but you're going to have to have a running game, and then all of a sudden you're going to have to really develop that other part of it. I mean, that's you, you sort of get that get to that bridge when it falls down, and but it hasn't fallen
2: down yet. Well, I'm just the the experience level uh, of the offensive line guys have started. They've played. It just doesn't seem like they're getting much movement, or they're holding their blocks. But I think you nailed it. I think what you said here about uh, how you know—are you really committed to it? If, if, if Scott had his choice, he'd probably chuck it around uh, as much as he did at Central Florida, right? I know they they still technically yeah. ran it a lot, but he likes doing that style—a high-flying offense. And two, you're right, Adrian is. Kind of the ultimate equalizer here to to get you out of some tough run spots. Can that can that be extended for this season, Coach? A last thought before we get to some rapid fire and, and some ball games this weekend. You know what would a what would a win do for Scott? I mean, say say you pull this off and you just don't stay competitive, but you actually go get the upset.
8: Well, if you go get the upset, then what you are going to have is you know, expectations for play in the big 10 is going to be, uh, doubled and tripled. And so, uh, you know, every, every success buys you an admission ticket to a more difficult problem. <laughs> and so, uh, that, that's what it would do. It's it's going to get him in an admission ticket to a more difficult problem. That is, you know, finishing higher in the, in the big 10, than than. uh, you know, maybe be possible. I don't know, but that's what's going to happen.
2: Well, a thought here. Yeah, the Buffs and the Gophers. Uh, Minnesota doesn't have Ibrahim, and he was a fun back to watch. But uh, man, the Buffs were right there against A and M. Uh, now you got Minnesota coming in.
8: We were right there, and Chris, I got to tell you, it was a great game to call. It was, it was one of those games um, where every play mattered every single play in that game mattered and first downs were like gold you know and that's why because nobody could get them that's why every play seemed to matter and um, it was just amazing the work done by both defenses in that game and it came down to the last three minutes and they created a matchup which is what good coaches do and what the game gets down to is they got a match up, knew it, and threw the ball right to the kid. They matched up their backs on a wheel route with a linebacker that was on the line of scrimmage. And he peaked he had me he had a man you know, it was actually a Nebraska transfer guy, Thomas Guy. And so um, oh, wow. He peaked. He peaked for a minute into the backfield. And he got beat on the outside, and that was the whole ballgame. It all came down to one play, really. And so, uh, you know, but it was a heck of a game. And so they are close. And this this week, this game is going to be close. Uh, Two very similar teams, one – you know they're a big physical offense and we're a pretty big physical defense so you know i think it's a really fun matchup it may be exactly the same kind of game we had last week
2: what do you think about bama and florida
8: you know um uh, on another show i i picked uh bama with the spread i'm rethinking that a little bit but i i you know bama still wins the game i'm not sure about it for 15 points But uh, playing against two different quarterbacks, you know, that'll be interesting to see whether it bothers the defense more or bothers the offense more.
2: Miami, Michigan State.
8: Yeah, I'm not buying Miami and I'm not buying Michigan State yet. But uh, one of those, Miami, you know, can't seem to get any traction. And Michigan State seems to have it. So, uh, you know, I think that's a really tough game to call. Um I find it hard for me to root for Mel Tucker and if I picked him I'd have to root for Mel Tucker. So I'm going to give you a no answer
2: there. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Last thought here coach uh, Eric B enemy and USC, what do you believe?
8: Well, uh you know, funny I I got I don't know. Uh I haven't talked to Eric um but I was on a Kansas City radio station and they brought that up and <clears throat> I, I think Eric's so close to getting an NFL gig that, that uh, if he were to call me, I'd say sit tight.
7: Because
8: mm-hmm. um, you got to really want to do the college stuff. you gotta, you, know, you got to figure out you're not going to do any football for a while. You're going to do all sorts of other stuff. And um, if you want to be a play caller, it's hard to be a play caller and a head coach at USC. And so uh, you got so many other things you have to do. And, you know, you've got so much of a simpler gig uh, in the nfl i'm not saying harder or easier i just say simpler mm-hmm. and it's much more complicated at college and do you want to get yourself into that is what i'd say
2: gary barnett coach we'll get caught up again thanks for the time today
1: you bet Good be with you chris have fun and now
2: and now back to hail varsity radio Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, getting ready for Nebraska, Oklahoma, and we uh, bring in a Sooner great. And, of course, uh, with uh, the sports animal and uh, News night in Oklahoma City, Dean Blevins, your author of Sooner Magic back in 76. Dean, it's good to spend time with you. Thanks for the time.
9: Well, it's um, it's been fun. It's always fun to be with you, Chris. We've been doing this for decades. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned that uh, Sooner Magic in that game. That was back in 1976. It's been fun here in Oklahoma to, to, to finally relive some of that uh, because there have been so many programs and things in the paper and websites that have been uh, like your top three, your top five, top ten memories of Oklahoma-Nebraska games, and uh, that year has, has come up frequently, which I presume it probably wouldn't up in Lincoln.
2: <laughs> no, I, I think the, uh, the fondness uh, is, is focused on 71, uh, a little bit north of where you're at. I think you look at 83 with Neil Harris. Absolutely. And then the, the first game my father took me to, uh, that was Nebraska-Oklahoma. Uh, that we, you know, my brother and I kind of earned the, uh, well, you guys are old enough to go type little nod, uh, yeah. was, was <laughs> with Calvin uh, Jones. So,
9: uh, yeah, uh, oh, there've been, oh, there have been so many great, 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 great players because the schools have had so many All-Americans and, and uh, honorees and, and national champions. It's just ridiculous when you go start going down through the list. It's ridiculous that we don't play every year for one thing. Um, but it, it is ridiculous the amount of talent that was thrown out there when Devaney rolled through here with his team, and I guess it was, the game was in uh, Lincoln in 70, but win a championship, mm-hmm. and then um, and then up here for that 71 and, and, and do it again, and then just the number of stars. It's just been amazing to uh, – I hope that some of the Nebraska people have had a chance to look back at some of the games because it's been fascinating.
2: It has, and you're right about doing it every year. Um, that, that'd be a lot of fun. I don't know that it'd be real fair. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the concern well, by Nebraska, yeah, It's not uh, even an elephant base. in the
9: room. It's not even an elephant in the room. It's just it's just there. Scott Frost's mm-hmm. got to get his guys uh, really playing and really winning and uh, continuing to recruit better and better. And, you know, um, I, I mean, I don't expect Nebraska to win. I do expect it to be more competitive than, than uh, most uh, but, but but this is a game that would, if, if, if he could help pull this thing off, no better game to help, uh, you know, set you on the right path.
2: Dean Blevins with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Add Dean Blevins on Twitter, News 9 in Oklahoma City. And, of course, uh, he hosts the Lincoln Riley Show. And uh, what's the, the mood been like around uh, Oklahoma City and Norman Dean with With this matchup here, Uh, you've talked about the nostalgia. Uh, We've talked about the nostalgia. But when it comes to just this Oklahoma team, you know, are they living up to expectations or is there some concern with this group of Sooners?
9: Well, the expectation level has been so ridiculously high. It, It tends to be that. Uh, I guess in all places, Chris, uh, but, but at Oklahoma it does because people just want to win another national championship so badly. And, you know, they finished with a good team last year, finished with winning eight or nine in a row, uh, and they also got a shorthanded uh, Florida team and just rolled them um, in the uh, bowl game. And so there was more momentum from that. Um, the Sooners did lose six players who are playing a lot on NFL Sundays from last year's team. So the, the perception around a lot of places, including here, was that Oklahoma didn't lose anything, where, where the truth is they lost six really, really good players. One of them happened to be the heartbeat and emotional leader and the big playmaker, Perkins, on defense, uh, number seven, and he's now with Bill Belichick and those guys. But, but he's an emotional leader, and the reason I'm bringing that up is that the one thing this team lacks is it doesn't have a Baker Mayfield, um, you know, a, 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 a leader that, that just demonstrates it from the beginning of the game all the way throughout. Spencer Rattler has never been that. I think he's trying to do a little bit more of it right now, uh, but they're asking fullbacks to be a leader and new guys on defense to be a leader. And I do believe that is a, is a factor and was even in their first game this year when they should have just blown out to lane and had him on the ropes and let him come back and, and almost beat him
2: dean blevins with us when it comes to mentality the talent's there but uh the killer instinct dean is that something that's a work in progress or is it just guys aren't used to being in position to to demand a high level they just want to go play ball versus demanding that you, you hit a certain standard or a certain level. Well, I
9: think it's I think it's two things. I think it's one, just the not the natural-born leaders around there that that a team has to have. So they're trying to menu, manufacture um, some of that. But it's also not finishing games. They they did it again the other night against. Um, against Tulane, where they jump up some 24 points, I think it was, like at halftime, and should just put them away and had to hang on to win. And they have done that so many times, most of the time, at home. Uh, you know, Iowa State's come back for a win. Kansas State was just dead last year. Oklahoma had them down 21 points with just a few minutes to go, and they start getting on skates on defense and letting guys make plays and scores. And offensively, as, as genius as, as Lincoln Riley is, the one thing that he gets criticized around here for, um, and, and from me as well, is not having guys, when they do jump out the leads, not coming out and putting, the throat on the, putting your foot on the throat. Uh, so that's an issue, and that is something that Nebraska could very well get, get behind early. Don't know that they will, but Oklahoma's a very fast-starting team. And so if they fall behind by 17 points, 14 points, uh, don't give up. Just keep an eye on this.
2: Dean Blevins with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Sooner Insider, at Dean Blevins on Twitter, News 9 Oklahoma City, and host of the Lincoln Riley Show and Sooner Great. So, Dean, when you look at Nebraska, from what you've kind of gleaned and gathered with the Big Red, uh, what are your impressions from afar? What do you think of Adrian from your uh, your position of quarterback? And what do you think of this Nebraska offense?
9: Well, I think of uh, uh, Martinez. I've watched him since he took a snap the first day. And I've seen every game uh, this year. I try to watch every one of them every year uh, and mostly do. But, but this year particularly, I've seen these first few games. And really, really impressed with him. He just seems to be a better quarterback. It just seems to be totally seasoned, which he should be. But, um, but his mobility is even better than I thought it was. Oklahoma has been susceptible to uh, dual-threat quarterbacks. So I think you can keep an eye uh, out on that and see if Martinez can, can keep Nebraska in the game or maybe take a lead because I think that opportunity will be there. Um, I think across the board, Oklahoma will have a defensive front advantage over Nebraska's offensive front, and that's become a strength of the Sooners. It was not very good for several years here, especially when LSU was scoring 100 and and, and Alabama was beating Oklahoma. But this Grinch, Alex Grinch, is in his third year. He's done a fabulous job in acquiring talent and coaching them, and the best part of it, Chris, is that he's got down linemen and a bunch of them. Uh, If you extend it into the rush ins, rush linebackers, they've got eight or nine guys that they keep fresh up there and most of them can really play. So I I think that that's going to be an area that Nebraska will have to work around.
3: Dean, on the flip side of things, the perspective of Oklahoma from Nebraska fans has been really very talented athletic offensive line, a quarterback in Spencer Rattler who is a five-star and is very good, but a little bit unsettled in the run game. I think only two scholarship running backs for the Sooners. So I think the sentiment from Nebraska fans has been this Oklahoma offense will go as far as Spencer Rattler could take them. Would you say that that's a fair assessment?
9: Well, I, I, it probably is, yeah, because he is just so special. Um, and if he's not on his game like he wasn't the first game, uh, he felt that they were just cakewalking and he didn't do the little things and he got sloppy with the football and didn't play winning football. then he came back the next week against an even worse team, and uh, really, I mean, he was out at half with five touchdowns. But but he's got to be on point, and I think Lincoln really jumped him after that first game. I think he's a much better player or, or, or is much more of uh, a, a – somewhat of a leader, but really uh, he's on point more is probably the best way to describe it. I will say this, though. The two running backs that Oklahoma's had, they've had a bunch of people in and out the last few years due to transfer and injuries, but Oklahoma's been running back to you around here for a while. Kennedy Brooks missed last year, but he's already registered two 1,000-yard seasons at Oklahoma. So he is a grizzled veteran who's really good. And then they they brought in this kid, Gray, from um, Tennessee, And he's a guy that is smaller, shiftier, and one of the better backs in the SEC. So I think they're pretty good there, even though, as you rightfully said, they don't have the depth. The receivers are better than people think. They've got a bunch of five-stars out there, even though they've had five-stars get hurt and and leave. They still have a bunch of really good talent out there. It's the offensive line. And I don't know that – Nebraska. you guys will have to tell me. Is Nebraska's defensive front good enough to do what I think OU's will to Nebraska? Is Nebraska's defensive front good enough to take advantage of what I consider to be a work in progress in Oklahoma's offensive line?
2: Dean, I think Nebraska's defensive line is a strength. Uh, When it comes to just getting pressure with four, though, I have not seen it. They've been better, okay, but uh, they like to send uh, an extra rusher. Uh, from time right. to time, Nelson and Caleb Tanner have been way better as they've gotten older. But I just don't know, based on kind of the pedigree and talent level Oklahoma has, uh, if if Nebraska will be able to get home or uh, or 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 rattle, no pun intended, Spencer at all, uh, and and kind of flushing him out of his comfort zone. That that's going to be so big for Nebraska to get after yeah. and and disrupt because I think Oklahoma is going to be able to do it to, to Adrian because a lot of the teams, Illinois and Buffalo, they've gotten after Nebraska with just four, and Adrian's gone magician uh, to, to get out of some problems. Dean, last thought, and it's so wonderful to talk to you and, and look forward to seeing you Norman. Norman. Uh, when it comes to the former players and the fans, we know what this rivalry means. What about the current group of Sooners that are kicking off Saturday? What do they think in Nebraska?
9: Well, Lincoln has done a good job of educating them. Um as, as we all know by just mathematics, these kids were four, five, six. you know, when they were last playing against one another. But Nebraska has talked up in these parts so much, and particularly since they've been on the schedule for a while, that I think the kids, they now appreciate it. He's shown them a 71 game. don't know if he showed the ending, but he showed them a 71 <laughs> game and showed them a lot of the others. Um, and and they they appreciate it. But how big a factor is that? It's not a big factor. And if anything, um, they will not be as amped up for this game as they should be. And if if, if Nebraska comes in here really ready to play, I think that they, get, frankly, have a little bit of an, an advantage from that standpoint.
2: Dean Blevins, Sooner uh, standout, of course, Sooner insider at Dean Blevins on Twitter Newsnight in Oklahoma City and host of the Lincoln Riley Show. Dean, we'll, uh, we're headed your way. Thanks so much for everything.
9: You bet, bud. I'll see you tomorrow and Saturday.
1: Take care, guys. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught, pre-teen Swedish boy.
2: Back into it at Tale Varsity Radio Roadshow, soon to commence as we head down to Norman. We welcome in the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, Burke's best bets, VEASAN Sports Network. Danny uh, will be on the air 6-7 to uh, Monday through Friday uh, with his show Rush Hour. Danny, Oklahoma, Nebraska, how you doing?
0: Well, Schmitty, uh, you know, I'm excited in the sense that we get to see Oklahoma play, you know, a little bit more of a competitive team, you would hope. But obviously last week wasn't the easiest matchup for the Sooners. Now that doesn't necessarily give me hope for the Huskers. But I'm at least excited for this maybe first quarter, first half. But uh, once it gets into that second half territory, I think the floodgates could be opening. But aside from that, Schmitty, I am pretty excited for it.
2: You know, it's Oklahoma, it's Nebraska. We've been smiling all week. Yes, there is a game on Saturday, and it's a measuring stick for Nebraska. It's a chance to to change some minds nationally and and locally with a win. I don't know that that's going to happen, but you can sure as heck play good football, be competitive, and lose to a better team. What's your take uh, on on, uh, Oklahoma? Uh, Nebraska, the the twenty two and a half. Are you running from that, or are you you saying, ah, eh, that's that's too high? Give me Nebraska. Where are you leaning right now?
0: So honestly, my lean is fading the Huskers here, Schmitty. And certainly, there's a scenario where they can keep it close and cover that number because it is really high. And again, based on what we saw last week with Oklahoma, certainly there's a blueprint I heard you talking about a little bit. There's that blueprint that maybe Nebraska can keep it close. But you also have to consider, you know, Oklahoma's not just looking at this game and thinking the Huskers are a craft team or anything like that. they realize that this is a big program and still have some talent there and that they're going to be coming in and acting like this is their Super Bowl. And, you know, this line I think opened like 21-and-a-half, and and like you alluded to now, 22-22-and-a-half in some spots. I'm personally not playing it, but if I had to, I honestly would lean toward Oklahoma. I think they'd probably win this game by about 24 or so. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if Nebraska keeps it close in the first half like we saw against Ohio State last season, and then the floodgates just go wide open in the second half because, you know, more familiarity and comfort with this Oklahoma team going into their third game as well. So I think that offense is going to be ready to go. Of course, it's going to come down to how good Nebraska's defense can at least contain Rattler and company, but can the offense get any momentum because this Oklahoma defense, you know, at least my thoughts and a lot of other people, are supposed to be really good coming into this year, and they've been solid. But, again, now this is kind of, you know, more so real competition for them this season. And if Nebraska avoids the three and outs, if they can actually get some running attack going, and if Martinez can hit those key throws, whether it's the short and precise ones or the big plays, that could be the difference maker of keeping you in the game or not then, yes, they can cover that. That's a lot of itch, Smitty, and Nebraska hasn't been able to handle all those itchs in the past.
2: (laughs) You know, it's been Nebraska hurting Nebraska this time. If Nebraska hurts Nebraska and Oklahoma hurts Nebraska, there will not be enough beer in Norman to console the the (laughs) folks uh, wearing red and white. Danny Burke is with us. Burke's best bets. Uh, Danny's dimes here. VEASAN Sports Network, Rush Hour 6 to 7 Central uh, across America. So you're uh, fading the Huskers. That, uh, that makes sense. There's some in-game stuff I think you'll do. What's the over-under currently right now with Nebraska and OU?
0: Uh, currently, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I'm driving right now, Schmitty, so I apologize. But, look, whatever it's set at, honestly, I'd be leaning toward the over, if anything, in that spot, considering that, like I said, I mean, if, when you typically have a high spread, like we're seeing in this game, that tends to gravitate more toward the over, at least if you have somewhat of a competent offense on the other side, which Nebraska does. It's just a matter of if they can execute well enough to keep it close in this game. And if they can, if Nebraska can at least get you maybe, you know, in that 17-point range, then I think Oklahoma should be able to handle the rest and get this total to go over.
2: 64 is the over-under. Danny, any other games of interest, either college or NFL? Are you... Biting on Cincinnati, Indiana. Do you like Sparty in Miami? Have you felt okay uh, going with uh, Roll Tide over Florida? That's still a hefty number on the road in the swamp.
0: A few games I actually circled out, Schmidt. I'm fading Northwestern this week on the road against Duke. I know Duke hasn't looked stout by any means, but neither has Northwestern, and I don't trust them in the road in this spot, lane three, so I took three with Duke. Also a little bit (laughs) lesser of a game, but – Over 58-and-a-half, UTSA, Middle Tennessee. But the one I also like a lot, um, how about Penn State and Auburn under 53-and-a-half? I think that's a little bit too high for both of these teams that have solid defenses. Bo Nix is going to have some competition finally to go up against. Last year didn't do great against it. Same with Clifford when he had a lot of turnovers. So I think this is going to be kind of a slow, methodical, ground type of game where the defenses step up. And I like Penn State and Auburn to stay under 53 in the hook.
2: Are you uh, going to jump on Fresno State in the plus 11? UCLA's been playing good ball. Fresno's been nasty.
0: Yeah, that one's a tough one, Schmidt. It really is because you're right. I mean, UCLA is finally coming alive under Kelly, and you know, Fresno has had their highlights themselves. I think that one is going to be kind of your perfect in game betting scenario. Uh, you know, let's see what UCLA can do out of the gates against another good offense. Let's see if Fresno can keep up with them. And if it's close toward the end, then you can kind of see the momentum in the game, and I think you're going to be able to get a lot better line on whichever team. Well, at least if you're favoring UCLA in this spot, because I do think they edge them out. But again, I think there's going to be a time in this game where Fresno's keeping it close, and you can jump on UCLA for a little bit better action than pre-flop.
2: Danny, NFL, any game you like? You have a lean Chiefs-Ravens at all?
0: Uh, Chiefs-Ravens, this line has gotten a little out of hand now that it's over the key number of three. Um, The total has bumped down a little bit as well, which I kind of don't hate too much. But until the Ravens kind of figure out their consistent offense with all their issues, I'm probably staying away. But believe it or not, Schmidt and Noe, this comes back to haunt me, right? Um, I'm actually betting my Bears this weekend, taking them on the money line against the Bengals. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you could overreact what happened this past Sunday because that was that's what was expected to happen, right? I mean, the Rams are the better team. They have a solid defense. And as good as their defense had been, you know, the, Montgomery was able to move the ball. And they're certainly going to be able to do that against the Bengals. And the Vikings got five sacks on Burrow, so hopefully that Bears interior that they've spent so much money on is able to destroy this Bengals offensive line. And at the end of the day, at the home opener, Schmidt this Bears team is going to get the win. At least that's what my bankroll is banking on
3: for Sunday. Danny, not a betting question. Is it time to start Justin Fields?
0: Oh, it's been time to start Justin Fields since, what, they drafted him day one, but uh, I understand why they're doing what they're <laughs> doing because they see the route of Patrick Mahomes, of Aaron Rodgers, and Nagy wants to have the same thing. He doesn't want to get labeled as the guy that rushed Justin Fields too quickly. So I think there could, my original thought was that because of how tough the schedule was, not that I would put money on it, but there is a real scenario where Fields could start after the bye week based on how tough that stretch is week six through nine and that Andy Dalton could do well enough beforehand. However, the other route – is that, you know, Justin Fields could get put in week four against the Lions. That's certainly a good spot for him to start out. But if if Andy Dalton can't get any offense going against the Bengals, and I think we are going to see Justin Fields in as the starter, more than one rep at a time. It was promising that you saw him get some action last game, but now that he's gotten a little taste of it, if there's no offensive momentum, then I think they'll actually put him in against the Bengals.
2: Daddy Burke, Pride of Chicago. Daddy, we'll catch up next week. Thanks for a few minutes, bud.
0: Absolutely, Smitty. Root the Huskers in this weekend, my friend. Miss
1: us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Winding down here, Hale Varsity Radio, is uh, the uh, road to Norman sent to commence. I need to take a hot tub with me, win or lose, and the place to go for that, Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, can you pick me out a hot tub for the road trip?
5: Hey, yeah, I think I could get one small enough to get in an RV. So I could, I mean, really, we have everything two person up to the 19 foot swimsaw. Maybe we just put some wheels and a motor on that 19 footer and take off.
2: We'll just pull it behind and just kind of. Oh, hang there out you
5: there. go. There you go. I like it. If that's being well, creative.
2: <laughs> it is. And there's all sorts of choices. You mentioned that. And, uh, Deb, when, when folks come see you at Home Innovation Spas, you do have a selection for everybody. And when I mean everybody, you have the baseball fan covered, the football fan covered, and even the hoops fan covered. And uh, nothing like watching a ball game from the comfort of your own spa.
5: That's right. And a lot of people will set their spa up so that they can see into maybe another room or maybe inside so they can watch a ball game from outside. Or they'll put a little TV outside mounted out there and then watch ball games because there's nothing better than sitting in a hot tub while you're watching your favorite team play.
2: Well, and you're still smiling with your Chiefs win over the weekend. I know that. Uh, big one coming up against Baltimore uh, on Sunday. But, uh, Deb, if folks want to come see you uh, before kickoff or after kickoff or sometime in between, how do they do it?
5: Well, they could come to either one of our stores, Lincoln in at 20th and Highway 2, Omaha, 138th at Industrial. You can come to our website, spasonline.com, anytime, 24-7. If you've got questions, leave us an email, and we'll get them answered right away, and we'll find one for you. I mean, we actually have spas either in stock or at least on their way, so you're not going to wait a year to get a hot tub.
2: Don't wait a week. Go see Deb uh, towards the end of this week or into the weekend. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Deb, will will uh, wave at you from Norman, okay? Okay, I'll be watching.
3: Winding down, a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio here presented by the Nebraska Lottery. What a show it was today. As uh, If you missed the first hour, you can check that out. On our live stream, that's posted up ESPNLincoln.com. You can also check out all the interviews as we had Joel McEvick back in Hour 1, as well as Brandon Vogel, Gary Barnett kicking off Hour 2, OU Insider and former Sooner Dean Blevins was with us about 30 minutes ago. We also had the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, a completely loaded show here on a Thursday as we're getting you all geared up for Nebraska and Oklahoma getting kicked off Saturday at 11 o'clock down in Norman. That's where the Hale Varsity Show will be for the next couple of shows as Chris now on the road to Norman in the RV. uh, Tomorrow, show is at 105 East Boyd Street in Norman. It's three blocks from the stadium. That is the Cohiba Cigar Lounge down there for Joe Washington's cigar release event as it's also going to be honoring the game of the century. That's where we're at, 4-6 to six tomorrow. Saturday morning edition at 7-9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And then as always, the Real Red Reaction Show immediately following the game. That's what's coming up as we're going to check in tomorrow from Norman. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.